Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency that generates more leads and sales for your website. This show is all about helping you to do exactly that. And if you've been following Exposure Ninja for a while, then you'll know from our SEO books, our videos, our podcasts, and if you're a client of ours, then you'll definitely know that everything that we do within SEO is white hat. And by that, I mean everything that we do is broadly within Google's guidelines and it's designed to be very low risk because for many of our listeners and viewers, if you're a marketing manager for your business, then you may not want to take the risk with uh, straying into the dark side for fear of Google's penalties. Well, for the next 30 to 40 minutes, we're going to park that entirely because we are very lucky to be joined by one of the, I think, one of the most prominent voices um, within SEO, but with a fair amount of uh, with a fair amount of black hat experience. Craig, I hope you, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying, and very lucky to be joined by him. He lives in uh, Scotland, so he's used to sub-zero conditions and freezing rain all year. Craig, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking forward to the questions that you're going to try and put in front of me. Should be fun. <laughs> so we're going to dive a little bit into the dark side today. And I think there's um, there's a lot that can be learned, even if you know, listeners and viewers might not be considering using black hat strategies themselves. I think, firstly, understanding how Google actually works and separating out some of the the PR spin about how Google works from what's actually working in the real world. And I think some of these strategies do a, a very good job of exposing some maybe weaknesses in the algorithm. Um, but also, I think it's good to know what sort of things are out there so that we can spot competitors playing tricks. Plus, it's also an absolute blast. I've been really enjoying watching some of your uh, watching some of your content and hearing about some of the stuff that you get up to. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. I'd say, I think before I do answer anything, just bear in mind, guys, that I'm not advocating this for everyone. It is not you know, if, if you ask me about a tactic, I'll tell you the truth. I've tried things. I've done things that I maybe shouldn't have. I've done things that are not moral, um, but mainly to see how far I can push the boundaries. But I normally get a lot of people come up saying, ah, why are you saying this? You can't use that for a client. There's a time and a place for everything in life. Mm -hmm. And I think even just knowing what's out there is, is important. You know, like me, for example, I like to do boxing training not because I want to fight with everyone. Um, but I think, you know, maybe if someone was going to come and try and attack me, then I, I'm slightly more confident that I could maybe handle my own. So it's the same with SEO. If someone's going to come and attack you, you might want to try and defend against it or be able to spot it. So yeah, 
do not go too hard on me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and just to add to that disclaimer, when yeah, we're not, we're definitely not advocating doing any of this stuff at all. This is for information only, and we are telling you from the outset that all of this stuff uh, obviously comes with a certain amount of risk as well. So, Craig, maybe you could just give us a, a bit of an intro as to what are the various um, ways that you have of monetizing this, like client type stuff and your own projects. I know you've got going on as well. What what does a, a typical business week look like for you? Um, so at the moment, I've uh, got away from the digital agency life. So previously, I was a freelancer, got into owning my own agency and, and had staff. And I just didn't find it that interesting. I found it quite boring. And, and I wasn't really a businessman, you know, corporate guy and all that stuff, which um, just isn't my thing. So I decided probably five or six years ago to take affiliate a lot more seriously. Now, obviously, I'd done affiliate prior to that, just dabbling in my own things. But I decided there has to be a way to get away from client work. And, uh, you know, that was mainly just that I didn't have to handhold the client's report and all that stuff. I just felt that at the experience level I had, that I was able to stand them on two feet and make money online through affiliate, e-com, lead gen, and, and various other tactics and that's what I do to this day alongside training courses and, and consultancy. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've made countless amounts of mistakes as well, entering niches that maybe had a lot of red tape, like the e-sig niche. Mm-hmm. Um, I wildly, because I'm, I'm an impulsive guy, um, you know, so when I do some keyword research and I, when e-sigs were just coming out, doing keyword research, and I'm like, whoa, you know, there's so much search for this stuff. Let's get involved. I, you know, basically got a developer to make a website. I was just doing keyword research, doing SEO, ranking the shit out of it. And then there came a time where I found out I couldn't do any kind of paid ads, um, both Google and Facebook. And even trying to take a payment for the e-signage um, was difficult because PayPal were the only people that would allow you to take payments. And then I ran into drop shipping problems and so on. So the business model just wasn't great. Um, and that's because I was impulsive and jumped in without any real research to how the underlying side of the business works. So made countless amounts of mistakes. Um, and it's how, you know, as I say, come out of it, you know, finding a few niches that have worked very well for me. And uh, when you're doing this stuff, I'm not um, trying to kid clients on or anyone else on. Mm. I can use a bit of grey hat stuff mm. or, or whatever. You know, it's all at my own risk. Um, obviously, my job as a business owner is to make sure that that risk is not high. You know, I don't want to wake up one day and the, the website's down. But, you know, when you've got clients where you're doing client work and hear words like 301 redirect or age domains or expired domains or PBNs, you know, people start to panic and they'll Google PBN, what does it mean? And then, you know, some dude out there saying, you know, they're the devil and if, you know, they, they get you banned and stuff. So with anything, you know, I like to know what works, what doesn't. And that's where I started to dabble in a lot of black hat stuff. And I always have, to be honest. I like spam. We all like it. And um, like, you know, blowing things up and buying things, you know, using Russian safe links and um, outrageous amounts of things that I've tried over the years. And hopefully this conversation will be able to share some of those experiences with you guys. Uh, because I do like to consider myself more of a grey hat than doing the whole PR thing or doing things squeaky clean, mm-hmm. um, as you would for a client, of course you would. Uh, but I can push the boundaries that little bit more because it's 
me that mm. has to answer to myself and uh, I can get places faster um, utilising some of those little loopholes, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it gives you a lot of freedom, doesn't it? If uh, if it's your responsibility, there's a there's a plus side of that. And then if things go wrong, then it, you know you, you that's the risk that you are comfortable with. You're able to set your own risk tolerance, aren't you? So yeah, I mean, if you had to kind of categorize what portion of the work you're doing for your own sites fits within the kind of white hat bucket or grey hat bucket and black hat, kind of where are you on that scale and how much of it is like? spam focused stuff versus squeaky clean so this is where it'll probably surprise a lot of people so for my own websites i think i'm very very big and technical i'm very big on content strategy um you know using tools like surfer pop or whatever um, you know to really do things properly mm. um you know so i would probably say 60 or 70 percent of everything is done where no one could pick a hole in it at all you know uh, it's you know just really squeaky clean and, and is what most of the other people are doing probably an extra 20 or 30 percent are things that you guys wouldn't do necessarily and it's not that i'm doing anything that different but you know in terms of link acquisition mm -hmm. and whatnot you know i will do a bit of pr i'm not against pr i think it worked really well um but on top of that you know i will use pbns i will use expired domain names um and various other things so it depends on what business model i've got now don't get me wrong prior to uh with the position i'm in just now i have done stuff that was pretty much 70 percent illegal um well, you know and, and i mean illegal um <laughs> <laughs> and it was not illegal i'll tell you the story so what i used to do to rank really well was i had this website and i'm not going to disclose the name um but basically for like the royal bank of scotland customer service and whatnot varies there's so many of these vodafone customer service and everything else i basically ranked these pages above Vodafone themselves. So when someone put in Vodafone customer service, up came my website. Now, how I monetized that was I had premium rate numbers on there. So when you were phoning Vodafone to try and get, you know, your phone fixed or whatever, you'd be phoning my number and I'd be getting 7p a minute and you'd be on the phone for an hour, blah, 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 blah. And so I wasn't telling people that that was a premium number. I was basically putting on my premium number and just forwarding it on to the actual Vodafone number. So I basically positioned myself um, and, and there, um, but Ofcom made that illegal to do as of, I think it was either end of 2018 or start of 2019. But doing that on a massive scale um, made me probably uh, 60K a month. Um, now, that was a sneaky trick to do. It's probably not morally right, blah, 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 blah. But I was using that money to fund more legit ventures mm. um, going forward. So when push comes to shove, you know, some people do do black hat things like stealing unverified GMBs. They do all of this kind of stuff to generate leads with a view to having enough money to go on and, mm. and maybe make things a little bit better. So, um, you know, it really depends. Now, uh, you know, that I've made money and, and got good revenue coming in it's all about stability for me um so not as ropey as i once was 
Yeah, there's, there's a difference, isn't there? There's Black Hat going against Google's guidelines and then there's like really Black Hat going against the guidelines of the, the country the that you live in. <laughs> it's another level. Um, so, so you mentioned there you're like 70, 60, 70% kind of really on-site and technical and, and quite pure. And then still the, 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 there's a little bit of stuff that you use. You mentioned PBNs, um, expired domains. What are the other kind of main categories of black hat strategy that you're using? And then we can dig into what those are and how to spot them for, for listeners and viewers. Um, so, uh, so other black hat-ish things there, um, you know, Russian safe links, do they mm-hmm. work? Um, you know, they're basically just hack links. Um, now, I would never direct anything like that to my money website um, ever. But if I'm building guest blog posts and whatnot, or, or, or I get an article in the Daily Mail or whatever it might be, can I get more power out of that? And the answer is yes, mm. by utilizing these cheaper spammier links to power up something else, which then powers up my website. So tiered link building, doing stuff like that, can work very, very well. Um, you know, other black hat things that I've done in the past, um, which I've spoken publicly about, would be um, the image trick. So if it was the Daily Telegraph and I was to do a Google search for uh, the Telegraph um, and then copyright unknown, the Telegraph's going to, it's going to show me hundreds of pictures on the Daily Telegraph um, that they don't know who that image belongs to. So I might reach out to them and say, that's my image and get an image credit and uh, things like that. So rather than me paying, uh, you know, 500 bucks to get a link on their website through some, you know, fake, fake article, you know, whatever it might be, I can get it for free by simply reaching out to them and saying, that's my image. So these things are black hat, you know, people, they say, what? well, that's not black hat. That's thinking outside the box. Now, I'm not going to commit and say this was me here, but let's just say a friend done this. A friend had a fake lawyer website um, that was doing that outreach. So they were basically saying you were going to be fined um, if you didn't give us the image credit, you know, there was going to be kind of lawsuit or whatever. So when push comes to shove, when someone starts to see legal things, they they tend to give out the links a little more easier. but again, what you need to remember is the people, the editors in these places that have got editorial access um, tend to just, at the first instance of any kind of legal thing, mm. will just do what they have to do and uh, keep, you know, because it's not the boss man or whatever, it's just some mm. editor, they're naive, and uh, they'll just give you the link. Um, but over and above that, you know, I also have reached out to people on LinkedIn and various other places that have editorial access to some of these bigger publications if you like and basically bribed them with like like what can i do to get a link on that website and uh you know maybe a handbag whatever you know if whatever uh, has to change hands to get that link, then uh, that's what happens and people out there are all open to corruption mm. that's the grand scheme of things and um, people when they're given gifts or whatever it might be tend to um you know, do what you need them to do. So things like that, you know, are, are probably, you know, pretending obviously to be a lawyer is illegal. Um, you know, I think they, they, they kind of lawyers take that very seriously. Um, <laughs> they do. It's <laughs> like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and, uh, you know, it's for a link. It's not really for, 
you know, pretending to be a copper or, or whatever might be seen as actually illegal. So in the grand scheme of things, you know, I think these things can be seen as pretty mild in the eyes of the actual law. But, you know, be be careful in what lies you tell. Um, you know, I, I know guys who, um, you know, have pretended to, to work for, um, you know, they've set up a fake charity for uh, disabled people and stuff like that. Um, and they're basically pretending that this charity allows these people to get back into working life. So they do outreach for links, pretending they're a disabled person, plugging on it, you know, pulling on the old heartstrings and stuff like that. Now, that's one I definitely haven't done, by the way. Mm. But there's an outrageous amount of things that people will stoop to in order to get a link, you know, portraying themselves to be a disabled charity um, and, and all this stuff to, to get links um, which is which is a bit below the belt in my opinion, but mm. out there there's a lot of people, a lot of people doing a lot of wild stuff, and I can't even tell you half the stuff I've heard because it's probably not for your listeners. But there's some <laughs> filthy animals out there in this yeah. industry that that really don't give a toss. You know, it's all about money, and there is no ethics whatsoever um, in their vocabulary. It's interesting, isn't it? And I think that. Um... The, the, the dark side can often attract some of the most creative minds, really. I mean, whether it's Black Hat SEO, whether it's finance. I remember one of, uh, I've always had a kind of fascination with get rich quick and pyramid schemes, not because there's necessarily anything that we'd want to emulate from that, but just the mindset and the creativity that needs to go into building something in a, in a slightly... Um, away from the beaten path way I just it's fascinating isn't it and some of the strategies you're talking about there like immense amounts of creativity that go into this I remember um being at uh oh what's it called there was I went to an SEO conference um the one for black hats ungagged um a while ago and there was a guy saying that one of the things that they did against their competitors was they'd accidentally copy in the CEO of the company um, as if they were a a, a rival and they'd had a job application from one of the managers so you know just sowing the seeds of doubt that you know their entire leadership team is is just about to leave and then just like lob the grenade in and just kind of watch it blow up contacting the electricity board and saying that they'd moved out of their office so they shut them down like there's an immense amount of creativity that goes into it is there is there a part of that which kind of gets you going you mentioned that you've always been into the kind of black hat stuff yeah you know i think it takes if, if people do this stuff, you know, I think they, they are, you know, kind of obsessed with that type of, you know, I, as I say, I'm not a crook and, and you mm. know, robbing banks or anything, mm. but, you know, I get a, an adrenaline rush if I think I've, I've you know, had one over on you um, in terms of just outwitting you, you know, with this type of stuff. Um, and it's, again, you know, people I know that do guest posts, and, you know, the, the guest post guy will say, yeah, yeah, send me over your article and they literally copy and paste it on the website, blah, 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 blah. Now, what you don't realise is if you in, insert your link with a bit of JavaScript around it, you then have a, the ability to go in and edit that link anytime you want. So there's just so many little loopholes um, where you could just pay someone 100 bucks to get a link on there which seems perfectly legit. Yeah. Um, without them knowing, and you could go and change that to Pong, Casino, whatever you wanted. So, you know, again, it's just being a bit creative. It's just getting your foot in the door and then using technology to, uh, 
you know, change it up or do what you need to do. But I think, you know, it's ducking and diving and, you know, Dale Boy Trotter type stuff, you know, where you're, uh, you know, tricking people and, and, you know, into this, that and the next thing. And I, I personally find it really funny. Um, you know, just all of the the kind of black hat tricks that people mm-hmm. do, it's just laughable. Um, you know, I, I find it humorous more than anything. But some people get really angry with it. But it's a game and it's no different from playing chess or something where someone's going to cheat if you're not looking or, you know, they're, they're, you know there's, in all walks of life, people end up bending the rules um, somewhere in life. And it's just about how far you can bend them without being caught is the, mm. the name of the game. And... Uh, the white hat community in general seem to think that they can't bend the rules at all and all this good money will come to them and all that stuff. I think with anything in life, rules are there to to be bent, at least not broken, but bent into some form of shape. So I do think you have to think outside the box at certain times for certain things. And, uh, and as I say, it's entirely up to you what you decide to use, of course, do not go out and kid on your disabled to do outreach. You know, I think that's just mm. just game. But uh, lots of the other stuff out there, like it's just creative thinking and, and thinking outside the box has to be done because we're not all doing plumbers in Oxfordshire or whatever. You know, mm. when, if you're in, you know, some of these niches where people won't link to you, you know, you have to play these games. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting point, and and kind of takes us to another area, which is you, you know we've had we've had clients which um, it, businesses that would come to us saying our competitors are using PBNs, our competitors are negative SEOing us, and we'll look at the space and they'll be in you know they will be a plumbing company or they'll be like an HR company, and you think there's absolutely no reason why. A uh, competitor would have to resort to those things, or there's no reason why a you know there's no reason why an HR consultancy would be using PBNs and, and and that type of thing. Do you find that a lot of this stuff tends to gravitate more towards you know adult gambling, the sort of uh, niches that are more difficult to acquire links through traditional means? Yeah, I mean, I genuinely believe that Google allow this to happen in certain mm. niches and uh, you know they're not penalizing it um you know so i've operated in some niches where pbns and everything are the only thing you can do to beat the competition and um, now why are these not being penalized but you know when you look at certain niches here these guys are spending millions and millions a year on adwords as well so are google going to really penalize these guys that are paying millions I don't think so. So, um, you know, people are, certain niches seem to be getting away with it a lot. And the casino niche is one of them where, you know, these guys, you know, relevance of links and all that kind of stuff really goes out the window. It is literally throwing the kitchen sink and spam and everything else that you can do towards a website. You know, these guys are buying up builders' domain names and making them relevant towards uh, the casino niche. Mm -hmm. They're also just hacking websites and placing links on people's homepages that are not relevant, all with a view to um, doing well. And if you go and look at it, go and look at any casino out there, look at their backlink profiles, you'll see mm. that they're not what the Google guideline, uh, guidelines would suggest that you do mm. do mm. Uh, in terms of doing a good job. So, um, yeah, I think just certain industries get away with a lot more. I think one of the 
one of the kind of questions that people have about about that is if if it's working for gambling why wouldn't why would google take more of a blind eye to you know these are some of the most competitive spaces on the internet right google's taking a blind eye to those is there an argument that actually this stuff is really effective and google's taking a lot more of a blind eye to the rest of the internet than maybe we would we would assume personally speaking i think google is not as aggressive or as bad as people may say i i do not believe that uh, you know a lot of the statements that come out from google i just don't believe them um you know they say a lot of contradictory stuff that i know i've tested and it's complete and utter lies so um you, you have to be careful of of course that the way i see it is 20% of the people out there will go against Google's guidelines uh, and try and break things. And those tend to be the people that are doing reasonably well. The other 80% who are scared to do anything because such and such said this or that mm. are the guys that are just going to get nowhere in life and they don't really make a lot of money. So I think you have to get that balance right. Um, you know, there's not a huge amount of manual penalties going on. Um, you know, as it stands just now, do I think a link is a link? Yes. Do I think that links, you know, more relevant links work? Yes, they do. And I think in terms of future proofing your business, um, you know, you want to go down the relevant loop, uh, route. But I, I still think a link's a link in a lot of cases just now. And it's quite easy to basically manipulate that relevance um, and in some way. And I just don't think Google is anywhere near as clever as they would allow people to think they are. Mm. Now, I'll give you an example of sheer loopholes and stupidity in Google's part. Now, last year, one of my friends found out on Google My Business that if you go and set the date of a business, just go in, suggest an edit, change that date to something like 2022, it would take your GMB down. Now, basically, throughout my money websites, one of my friends was doing it to me for a joke. So every day I'm waking up going, some so-and-so is, you know, switching off my GMBs here, effectively. But I actually uh, went to a guy called Tim Capper, who is into local SEO and GMBs and all that stuff. And I said, Tim, what's going on here? This is a terrible loophole. Um, you know, people can basically just switch off my GMB when they feel like it. And we, uh, and I reported it to Tim, and he eventually got it patched. But what a loophole to mm. leave. You know, people think Google can detect this, detect that but they're just going to allow every Tom, Dick and Harry to switch mm. off a GMB. I mean, that's not right. So, you know, in terms of Google being that clever, they're, they're not that clever. There's so many instances where there's been so many glaring um, things going wrong. It's an algorithm. It's not a human being. Um, and, you know, the, with the sheer volume of pages and everything else that's on with Google, I, you know, I think they're about to burst, you know, in terms of... Um, you know the the ability to to do things properly. So I, you know, I think we're still years left of manipulation before uh, you know they they kind of refine that. And I know they'll spend hundreds of millions trying to refine that and make the Google a much better place. But when they patch up something, something else opens up, and yeah. that's why it's really important to test different things and manipulate them for what works now, whilst also trying to think ahead and say. Relevance is obviously going to be more and more important as we go forward. So we want to try and future-proof our business by doing this now 
but exploit that loophole anyway for all you all you can. I feel like one of the the key differences, which I guess gives us um, a, an insight into exactly what you're talking about, how how clever Google actually is, is that the language around low quality links changed from you know penguin days. It was low quality links, and for for whatever reason, the, the world took the view that you were going to get penalized if you had low quality links. And it was unclear whether this was an algorithmic penalty or a manual action. Like It was just unclear. And Google seemed to kind of revel in that lack of clarity, just building this association between low quality links and some kind of penalty, some bad thing happening. Then the message was you need to stick all your low quality links in a disavow file. Now the message around disavows is completely changed and they're saying you should only disavow if you've got loads of links and you think that the links either ha- will cause a manual action or they have already. So the, you know, the language about this disavow file has gone from you absolutely have to use it to actually we're just going to ignore stuff anyway. And it's this constantly changing thing which I think makes people a little bit sceptical and wonders how much of the messaging coming out from some of the Google team is actually just PR to nudge us in the right direction versus how much do they actually know? Yeah, I personally speaking, I think that is the case. You know, a lot of it is PR to send a lot of us down a, a specific direction. Now, obviously, a few years back, I was at Brighton SEO and uh, there was a chap uh, Gary Ilyes, who I think was working for Google at the time, said to another guy called Christoph Semper, who owns like research mm-hmm. tools, he said to him at the bar, um, you know, you're doing an amazing job uh, in terms of telling people to do disavows and everything else. And he said, Google hate you for it because you're telling Google that uh, you're telling everyone that disavows the right thing to do, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he said, you're doing an amazing job, your tool's amazing, and, and gave him all the praise at the bar. And then the next day, uh, when his talk came, it was talking about how the disavow um, really isn't something that you want to be doing all the time. So he's contradicted himself right there by saying one thing at the bar and doing another thing. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, in the past, disavows worked very well for me. Um, do I think that's the case now, though? I am pretty sure that Google can see footprints and detect certain patterns from garbage links. Now, in the past, someone spent 18 months doing a GSA blast at my website. Some surface little white hat guy that hated what I was talking about um, basically blasted uh, my website for 18 months and I got a partial penalty. Um, that's about it. Boom. You know, my, my website went back up. Um, the same person is, believe it or not, years down the line, still sending a million links to my website per month. If you go to Ahrefs, you'll be able to see it's Chinese spam. It's absolute trash um, and it's relentless. But I don't really have to disavow now, but I do believe that um, either I'm a big shot and Google know who I am and, and let me away with it, which I don't believe is the case, by the way, or they can establish what is absolute junk um, and you you don't see a lot of manual or even you know these kind of partial penalties or anything. You don't see a lot of them being handed out now unless you're doing something on a serious, serious scale. So I think before... Google were saying don't do it when it actually worked and now they're saying don't do it 
and it, it, and they're probably right in that instance. But no one knows whether they should keep doing it because the last time they slipped up. So the thing is with Google, as you say, they, they kind of thrive on giving bits of information out. And the last time it was a lie, so this time it might be the truth. And again, unless you actually try or you're experienced in this industry, then you know you you, you just don't know. But mm. as I say, anyone just now listening to this can go and look at my own personal website. You'll see I am being blasted with Chinese spam. Um, and it really, you know, if anything, it, it might give me a small little bit of power. You know, it is all trash, but they may even be helping me um, yeah. in some ways. So hopefully that is the case. But I think Google are becoming a little bit cleverer. But you also need to remember what someone said a few years ago, which was a lie, doesn't mean they're always lying. So, yeah, it's yeah. one of those kind of areas. That kind of leads us on to negative SEO, which for many businesses is is one of their greatest kind of SEO fears that a, a particular competitor takes a, a hatred towards them and, and does something that they can't be stopped. I think we often get a lot of businesses come to us saying we've been negative SEO'd. What they really mean is we've just lost a load of our ranking. It happened around the time for an algorithm update. We'll go in and there's no content on the site or something like that. But um from your experience, negative SEO, how much of a thing these days? Or is it all myth now? Um, I, I would probably say a lot of it's a myth now. Um, you know, can someone still negative SEO you? Um, they probably could, you know, if they were doing it properly, you know, really getting some toxic domain names and spending a lot of money and a lot of time doing a lot of other stuff. Of course, they could probably damage you. But in terms of just firing up links and sending junk to people, I absolutely believe that Google ignore that um, and uh, have become, you know, fully aware of the, the 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 tools and the backlink profiles, the IP ranges, and everything else that that is kind of trying to dirty the 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 waters, so to speak. So negative SEO, I think, is a hell of a lot more difficult just now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if at all it is possible now, people will argue, go out and buy, you know. Uh, banned, you know, penalise domain names and tilt them towards someone's website and do that on a massive scale and do a few other bits and bobs. And of course, you can negative SEO someone's website. And the same way that I could, you know, anything that you put up in your blog post, I as soon as they, I just sign up to your RSS feed and get you to ping me your content and put up, I would put it up somewhere else and force index it so that you don't get your content indexed and it's been stolen from you. So there's loads of wee things that you can do to disrupt someone and cause them problems and steal a bit of content and stuff. But just go out and wiping someone out using a tool is not going to happen. So, um, yeah, you need to be careful um, on what, you, what you're, you're suggesting might be happening. But as you say, a lot of people doing bad SEO would like to come and blame it on the, you know, negative SEO or the, someone else is doing this to them. The reality is they're just not spending enough time yeah. doing the, the things that actually move the needle. So I think negative SEO to be done properly would probably cost you more um, than doing SEO properly. So it's <laughs> no one's going to bother um, with doing that unless you're you know a real sick individual and you're extremely rich um you know i think you would probably um have a lot of difficulty i want to ask you about pbns um pbns are probably the most 
I guess, the area of black hat SEO that's most familiar with people. Um, firstly, for those who don't know, those who are listening who maybe don't come from an SEO background, what are private blog networks and how do you how do you spot them? What's the difference between a private blog network and just getting links, I guess? So there, there's two types of private blog networks that are out there. So there's the first one, which is just your shady, sloppy approach where guys will buy expired domain names, repurpose those websites for link building reasons, and they sell them to the masses out there. Um, now, those links, uh, those websites have thousands of outbound links, and they're pretty clear, as far as Google's concerned, that they're PBNs. You know, they're excessive amounts of links on them. Um, they don't really get a lot of content added. They don't ever have any new links or anything like that being added. And it's just a low-quality piece of garbage that will eventually drift out over time. Now, as far as I'm concerned, uh, PBNs done properly should, uh, you know, it's private blog network it stands for. Um, and these should be private. So if I buy a domain name and, or at an auction or, or whatever it may be, um, and I build that out, I tend to make it a money website. So it can be an Amazon affiliate website or whatever it might be. Um, so it will get traffic it will get new content, it will get new links, and it's effectively a real website. Um, and that I could potentially use to also power up other assets that I've got. Now, when I'm looking for links in general, I'm looking for power, authority, relevance. The website's got to have rankings and traffic itself, otherwise I'm wasting my time. So that's the two differences when it comes to PBNs. Obviously, for anyone out there, you need to weigh up the cost of building a PBN and making it pay for itself, which a lot of people don't. Um, you know, my PBNs make me, you know, each website should be paying for itself. It shouldn't be seen as an overhead for me. Um, you know, there are just many businesses, if you like, uh, and people don't go to those lengths and they say, oh, hide the bots from this and, you know, hide the address from accessing my PBN. These are massive footprints. If you're blocking the bots and stuff, it's very Google, uh, very easy for Google to understand exactly mm. what you're doing there by blocking the, the SEMrush crawler, the Ahrefs crawler, because you don't want your competition to reverse engineer what you're doing. But Google, that, that's a massive flag in itself. So there's so much garbage going on out there um, in terms of PBNs. And why would you want to hide it? If I've got 10 websites, nothing illegal about me owning 10 websites that, you know, you know, whatever they might be, Amazon affiliates or whatever, if those are websites that are hosted in their own right, they're getting content, stuff like that, they're not going to get penalised by Google and they are a PBN. So there's two different types and that's where you get 50% of people saying PBNs don't work. They, you know, people are using the sloppy approach and the other 50% will say, damn right they work. You know, we all know that links pass power and authority um, and it's just got to be done properly. So I think for me, um, why would you want to hide your Amazon website from Ahrefs or whatever, um, or lead gen website or whatever you may mm. do mm. with that particular website? So that is the type of pe what I would call a real PBN, someone who's actually doing something with it and uh, making money. And as I say, it can be lead gen, it can be whatever you want. As long as it's getting traffic and rankings, it's all good. So I feel like one of the, the distinctions there between those two different types is that the 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 sloppy PBNs, as you call them, are, that they're not really designed to do anything. They're designed purely to pass 
link benefit to, to, to one of the other sites. Whereas what you're talking about is a kind of network of, of legitimate sites, really just yeah. connected. I mean, that's, that's how most of the local press in the UK works, for example, that exactly. you, know, you get people with different sites in different countries, which are all essentially PBNs by that definition. So it's a, a much more kind of sophisticated way of doing it. And I guess that would make it very difficult for a, a lay person who's trying to analyze if their competitors are using PBNs, because there's essentially no difference when you look in the link profile between, oh, I'm just getting lots of legitimate links versus there's a kind of PBN type strategy here. So that's going to be much more difficult to identify than just, you know, you go into Ahrefs and you just see WordPress uh, templates from 2015. And there's almost no good co content on there and the topics are completely varied and you're like, okay, this is, you know, this is trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially it. <laughs> Cool. Um, Craig, this has been absolutely fascinating. I love how your brain thinks. And whilst we wouldn't use a lot of these things for clients, I think there's an immense amount of creativity and um, an interest. I think it's very, uh, yeah, I just, I, I can see why people get uh, get into this world. So thank you for taking us behind the curtain. Um, final question I wanted to ask you. Going forward, you know, you've been an SEO a while, so you've seen how Google has evolved over time. If we are to project three to five years out, it's really difficult to make predictions, but where, what are some of the, we're having this conversation in three to five years and we're saying things like, I can't believe PBN still work. What are you seeing still work in three to five years, which you think Google's not going to figure out? Um, to be honest, all of it in three to five years' time, you know, since the likes of the the kind of penguin and panda update, mm. which was like 2012, 2013, whatever it was, um, you know, we're we're not far off ten years down the line. And that was supposed to be the big thing where you start to hear people saying SEO is dead, this is not going to work, that's not going to work. And of course, as I say, Google do become a little bit cleverer. They can identify certain things that you shouldn't be doing. They can identify spam more. But is it ever going to change from good content, good on page, and good links? You know, I think the general crux of SEO um, hasn't ever changed really. Mm. Uh, it's the type of links that you get, and you know, obviously there are other little quirky bits like. You know, doing content that you know Google are looking for certain things. They're looking for subheadings. They're looking for semantically related keywords and and everything else. That's all improved over the years. I just see that improving slightly. Um, you know, I still don't even think like AI generated content or anything like that's going to be a thing. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's still trash just now. And uh, I still see see things obviously evolving. To, I'm not sure to what degree, mm. but I've been hearing, the, um, you know, if you asked me this question in 2013, 2014, I'd be like, it'd all be robots doing the computers now, and it's not. You know, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, one, I can see Google struggling. Two, although we are in this industry and we've been in it for a while and we're all super geeky about it, the general world still don't know what this stuff is either, and no one's doing it that well. So... You know, I think we all have to improve our skills as people and try and refine this process. Uh, and I think that's essentially what Google are doing. They're just refining stuff. I don't see it really changing too much in the next three to five years, if I'm honest. Hope I'm wrong. Um, you know, and, and, you know, AI content comes out, so it'll make my life easier. Um, but, 
Um, you just have got you have just got to embrace it, and we've always embraced it. You know, back from the days of using uh, all the spammy tools that worked, and you know, stealing content and and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, obviously you can't do that now, and, and you have to get different types of content, unique content, and all that. But again, content's content, links are links, technical is technical. Um, you know, obviously speed and user experience and all that are coming into play. And there'll probably be other little things that come into play, but I think the general crux of SEO can't really go any further other than that. That's really interesting. And obviously, whatever happens, you'll be there to exploit every loophole. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be here for a while yet. Craig, where can people find you to follow you and absorb some of your incredible stories? Um, so you can get me on craigcampbellseo.com or just look for Craig Campbell SEO on YouTube. I've got a ton of playlists. I've got 400 or 500 videos on there. I'm always adding new stuff. So YouTube is a place if you want to to find more stories and uh, more tips and advice. There's a lot of tutorials on there as well. And there's a lot of stuff that we weren't able to publish in the very uh, squeaky clean Explosion Ninja world as well. So if you'd like to go even further, then go and check out Craig's YouTube. Craig, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Been a pleasure, man.